Alrighty, here we are in 2022. I am DJ Bruja, and we are from Change to Change, and this is the start of a new era, a new epoch, a new age, one might say. And our guests today are a couple of MVPs. We've got one MVP to my right, Sheriff-elect Susan Hudson, who is here, uh, and we're going to talk a little about like some next steps. And then on my left, we got another MVP, DJ Caleb, who's been my personal uh, supporter and, and huge inspiration throughout this entire election season that we've finally laid to rest. And so we can start a new chapter of stuff here in 2022. And uh, so how, how are you all doing? How are you feeling? Well, first of all, Happy New Year. I am doing really well, feeling great. Can't stop smiling. Right. Very excited about 2022. Yeah. And thank you both for having me. All right. Kira, how are you feeling? Um, I'm good. Yeah. I, I've been feeling quite, like, very uh, happy, especially with the, you know, just all the stress kind of feeling over. But I also... Because of the whole pandemic, I feel like it's very weird just going into a new year because it's so like you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, we've got our we've got our uh, our vaccines and our boosters, and you know, I was telling somebody I recently, I feel like this is you know the new normal. Um, but we'll see where where we end up. But in the meantime, uh, so Susan, when did you decide to run for sheriff? I'm trying to remember now. What, do you remember the month or day? or? I think I made my final decision in April. April. <laughs> I kind of prayed on it through March uh-huh. and made, I think, that decision. It was April. And then it was just, you know, off to the races from there. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, did you really did you th- really think that you were going to be sheriff in April? Or are you just like, I'm going to run for sheriff in April? <laughs> you know, I always thought. Kind of, it was kind of crazy, but I always thought that there really wasn't a choice between 17 years of this record versus somebody who was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I didn't think there was a choice. I found out that's wrong in politics, <laughs> but yeah. so it was quite a fight. But yeah, I, I always did believe we were going to win. That's good. I like that optimism. Yeah. A lot of people tried to disavow me of that notion along the way. Really? <laughs> people would ask me things like, so you're just trying to put your name out there or you're... Yeah, you're, you want to run for president someday. So right. this, is like, this is your little advertisement thing for your presidential run. <laughs> you trying to get your issues out there? Like, okay, no, we were, we're trying to make change here. Yeah. We're trying to do something. So, um, yeah, but it was not uh, not easy, as you know, and mm-hmm. it took an entire village to take down a 17-year incumbent and a machine. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for all the help I got. Uh, very grateful. Well, I, you know, I think it was really impressive that, you know, you were able to to keep your head up and keep moving forward um, and keep this thing about the issues, because obviously there were some petty attacks. There were some more than petty attacks and there were some distractions. Uh, but there were, as you were mentioning, you know, there were so many th- real things to be talking about and to bring it back to that it probably made it easier. Right. Because it wasn't just a war of kind of like personalities. Right. right. It was actually about policies and ideas and systems. Yeah, right. And, you know, we were for me personally, the the machine aspect. I knew that we were up against the serious like thing. Right. And and I felt like there was two things that we kind of needed. And, you know, one of them was to get a lot of those just go along to get along su- supporters to stand down. Right. And not take a side. 
and then kind of like leave him on his own to sort of like campaign on his own. And I think some of that happened. And then the other was just to get people to be looking at the issue deeper than whether he's a good guy or not. Right. Right. And be looking at like deeper than the basics of like, well, you lock people up, you got to put them somewhere. Right. Right. To get people to look under the hood. Yes. Look under the hood. Exactly. And, you know, I had had my hands full with the NOPD for 11 years. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to what the sheriff was doing until I got into this race. Mm. And then I look when I looked under the hood, uh, we could see that there were feet running the car instead of an engine. (laughs) It was really, really, really bad. I mean, every aspect of the jail was run inappropriate. Every aspect of the sheriff's office. Right. And so that was really shocking to find out. This had been going on like for 17 years. Um, and to me, that was just, that was the message. We can do much better than this. This is like the floor here. Now, this is under the floor. We can do better than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, just very shocking to find out. Yeah. So, okay. So you go into, into office in May, correct? May 2nd. May 2nd. All right. So right after a little, little May Day uh, surprise. So... That gives you just under five. What are we on? January third ish or something? Or January second? Oh, so we've got exactly five months. So one hundred and fifty days ish. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at your face. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's a blessing and a curse, right? right? So it gives us time to really transition, and mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Uh, and we're working on that, and we should be making some announcements soon just so that people know, because a lot of people are interested in being involved, mm-hmm. and we want that. We want the community involved just like they were involved in our victory. We want them to be involved uh, in putting together solutions. So, um, But, yeah, so we got that time period, so that's a blessing. But it's a curse because you're ready to get going now, and you mm-hmm. don't want anything to happen during that four- or five-month period that makes the job even harder. Yeah, I mean, do, do you— I mean, is there anything that you're looking at doing in the sense of trying to at least make sure the, you know, the, the shop is kind of kept clean or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Kind of like protect the interests of the people during this lame duck period? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, we're looking at phase three issue mm-hmm. since that was one of the biggest issues. So we're trying to uh, meet with the city mm-hmm. and be involved in that selection process for the new medical and mental health provider Mm -hmm. which is a huge part of not needing phase three Mm -hmm. we need we didn't really need a building what we needed were better providers so when we we can get this going get a better provider in here we're going to be good a provider who's going to provide all the needs uh of folks who are um in custody so that's number one then number two just i'm staying in touch with everybody Mm -hmm. um that the same people who were giving me information during the campaign are still talking to me and letting me know what's going on so then if i need to do something i can do that um, but then I'm also having these conversations. We just had our first with the sheriff's office with um, CAO Sean Bruno. Okay. And just let him know that, hey, uh, we really don't need you to do anything except just run the jail. Just keep, keep it, it running. That's mm-hmm. it. And just do that. Um, we don't need you to do anything special, n- nothing extra. Uh, we'll, de- we'll deal with all that when we get in. But we're going to continue to have conversations with them um, so they'll know what what it is we have planned coming mm-hmm. up. So. Um, if they want to get a jump start on it, they certainly can. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we want it to be what you know. We the the community spoke, the voters spoke. They want new leadership, and so they want my leadership. And so I want my leadership to be uh, part of what goes on here, and not the old leadership. Mm-hmm. So just trying to walk that line with them. Yeah, and so I, I I'm assuming that um, 
you know, the city council is going to have to retake up the budget issue probably, you know, sooner than later, probably sometime this month. And from what I understand, the new council members go in like maybe mid-January? Yes, I heard around January 10th. Okay. And so then obviously that's going to be because it was like a holdover issue, right? Right. And I'm just wondering to what extent, you know, maybe you've had some, have you had any conversation with any of the council members about is there a way to kind of give him sort of like a limited budget to make it through and then like revisit this? Um, other than just congratulatory mm-hmm. kind of conversations, nothing uh, about policy or going forward. So we want to have that meeting with them all um, mm-hmm. and just talk about how we need to be partners instead of adversaries in running this jail. They have their role. I have mine. So, you know, let's work it together. We meet the needs of all the people in the jail, working in the jail, and then our community. And I and I, I have good faith about that because I'm going to be upfront about it, what yeah. we need to do the job. And, you know, you, I mean, your testimony was on point when you went the last time in the budget hearing and, and really, you know, talking straight to them, you know, the ones that do know you, kind of, like they know what type of person you are, and I'm sure they're going to want to work with you. And, you know, for lack of probably some particular legal guidance on what's supposed to happen because how often have you even changed the sheriff <laughs> um you know i feel like everyone's going to try to like probably take some baby steps just so that yeah. nothing goes off the rails yeah and let's let's all agree on the things that we can agree on number one i know the council loves data they got mm-hmm. a big dashboard up mm-hmm. there i love it too let's put some data together uh, about what's going on in the jail let's work together on that so i'm really excited about that we were real clear that we want to be transparent about what's going on in there uh, you can't fix it if you don't call it out i think we said n- numerous times and uh, i really do believe in that uh and i think it's important to see the baseline it is really low mm-hmm. and i think it's important for people to understand that not just are you not caring for people right the 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 enterprise itself doesn't work right. Yeah. The business itself does not run right. And mm-hmm. so that's something that we really have to we have to show folks uh, what's happening with their, their taxpayer dollars. I imagine some folks like uh, the Vera Institute and you know John Wool, the former director who had a lot of experience with this like sheriff and police system. I imagine people like that would be more than happy to, to be kind of a, a, a technical partner on some of that data stuff. Oh, yeah. Speaking for them right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we, we all along the way, we got a lot of help. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we're, I am sincere. We want you to be a part of the solution, too. Mm-hmm. So vote, mm-hmm. right? You, um, this organization, man, has just been a powerhouse in this community for years. And a lot of respect for the individuals who are there, but also for the work that's being done. And it's work that we need to do together. Um, if you need data, if you need information, access to people, we want to make sure that happens. Uh, we want to make sure that we're doing whatever it takes to help people uh, and whatever it takes to help our community. So we're going to rely on the experts. I am a police accountability expert. That's mm-hmm. what I do. So I have a lot of experience in that. I don't have a lot of experience in other things. I'm not a medical provider. I'm not a mental health provider. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the experts to do that. Dealing with COVID in the jail right now. I'm hearing that's exploding. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are, you know, is the sheriff mining the store these mm-hmm. last four months? Because it could get really bad if he's not. And is he working with the health department? They're the experts. Are you working with people in the community who are experts? So John and Vera and Vote and OPPRC mm-hmm. and... ACLU and golly, there were so many folks who helped along the way. Just individuals yeah. too who got involved. So and I'm sure Dr. Joe Cantor would be happy to to weigh in to whatever extent, and Dr. Anjali Niogi uh, within the Fit Clinic would be happy to to weigh in, you know, with, yeah. with Tulane and and try to build out 
you know, some partnerships or some, or at least just some advice on, on, you know, what we could do. And I think one of the really exciting things right now is, I mean, from what I understand, like there's not been a progressive sheriff like in the country in this type of way, right? There's been like a lesser evil, so to speak, but now it's like, okay, well, what, okay, here you go here, you know, here's the budget, here's the organization or the agency like you have at it. And so a lot of people are going to be looking similar to, I think, when Krasner took over the DA's office in Philly and people were looking at that office and saying, well, like, what can be done with a so-called progressive DA? Like, what does that mean? What's that change look like? No, you're right, because when I was doing my homework before I decided to run, I talked to a couple of folks that were progressive, calling mm-hmm. themselves more progressive sheriffs. They were both career law enforcement, these women, one in uh, Ohio and one, I think, South Carolina. And so, but they were still, you know, law enforcement through and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now it's going to be interesting to see what happens afterwards. Like I was reading about a person in San Diego County, I think it was, sounding law enforcement, but sounding very progressive now. Mm-hmm. Very different, talking about taking care of people in custody. So just, um, that's for the better. That's yeah. for the better. I remember, I think I was still locked up at the time. I remember reading an article about, uh, I want to say it was in California, and this guy who was formerly incarcerated had been named the warden of a of a prison or a jail, you know, county jail perhaps, and like San Jose or somewhere. Wow. And, you know, I didn't follow, you know, there was, uh, no internet, you know, just like getting a, a story out of nowhere and just thought like how interesting, you know, I wonder, because a lot of people think, you know, like and we heard this on the campaign, you know, people like Norris, myself and others, you know, like, oh, we just want to let everybody out. Right. Like some of us can be harder on folks than anybody. Right. You know, right. like if if my close friend or, or you know someone that that I care about, um, you know, has issues going on, it could be addiction or whatever. I might be harder on them than anybody. And so this idea that we're just going to like kind of let everyone go uh, because we just you know all we want is like anarchy and and, you right. know, and <laughs> violence and people in the streets and mobs and riots. That's just ridiculous, right? Like, here's my daughter right here. And I'm like, you know, Kira, I want you to live in a very peaceful and and awesome society. But we understand that there's people that are going through tough times. And, like, how do we treat those people? And how do we, you know, try to get them better and, you know, and, and act like, well, what if that was someone I actually knew, someone that I love, someone my neighbor? That's right. You know, know, true public safety, not the old way of looking at things. And that's the way what I'm so excited about. It's funny that you say that there are a lot of people in my neighborhood. I live I live deep in the hood near the old St. Bernard. Mm -hmm. Um, My neighbors have had a story to tell about being in that jail. Uh, And one of them said to me, you know, back in the day when I was doing my little thing, you know, we had an honor code. These kids, they don't have an honor Mm -hmm. code. You need when you're the sheriff, you need to go stop and frisk more. I was like, oh, (laughs) no, I'm not going to be stopping and frisking more. But your point is well taken that it's a different generation that's mm-hmm. coming up. Um, and so maybe we need to do something different in, in dealing with them uh, and in getting to their issues and what's going on with them right now. Uh, I didn't grow up during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I, my, I didn't grow up as a youngster during that. And, you know, all the things that are going on with kids being isolated and mm-hmm. not being, you know, their social circles. You know, I didn't go through all that, but we are seeing it now. We are seeing yeah. what's, what's happening with that right now. And this law and order kind of conversation is not the right conversation, I think, to deal with that. Yeah. One thing that I've, I had an idea years ago for, a, a you know, some kind of legislative change. 
uh, could be a city ordinance or whatever, but to create, um, you know, a post-Katrina trauma assessment tool. Because realizing, you know, when you'd hear someone like Leon Cannizzaro, you know, complain about these kids and, you know, and the violence and the guns and the whatever, and then you just kind of trace it back and you're like, this kid was five when they lost everything and then was like on the road for 18 months, you know, in these trailers and who knows where. And their grandmother died and like they lost their friends or their cousin. And, and then they ended up, you know, maybe back here at some point And, you know, maybe their dad's in jail or and their mom's out of work or something like that. And everything was great up until then. And now you're like mad at him because he's not adjusting well in school and now he's 14 or whatever. So like when we go back and we think about, you know, the ages of people and where they are kind of in the the so-called kind of, you know, highest like volatility in their lives, you know, like 16 to 25. I mean Katrina was what are we at 16 years ago? That's right. So I mean if you were like 3 4 8 years old you know, that's a tough time to go through what was, you know, one of the, if not the greatest kind of like disaster scenario in this country since what, like this, you know, either right. destroying Native American uh, tribes or, or, or Civil War era. So, you know, I would love to see something like that where we're really trying to get to the bottom of the, the source of people's struggles and realize that like, you know, it, you know, Kira, if someone in your class like throws a book at the teacher you know, somebody should be saying, what's going on at, at, in, you know, in that kid's house like before they got to school? Does that kid even have a house? You know? So, I, you know, I, I, I know that sometimes you, you, we, we talk about like some of the kids that are, that are uh, struggling with you or, you know, in, in, around you. And um, I don't know. I mean, do you ever think about like what's going on with them and like how they could get help and stuff? All the time, actually. Yeah. I, as as you've said before, I'm I'm quite empathic, <laughs> and I've also, you know, just like everybody and every young person, especially in this generation, I have been like bullied and and teased by others. But one thing, especially now, which it doesn't happen as often, um, but. One thing I always think of before, I don't know, just like feeling hurt or like wanting to take like vengeance, Mm -hmm. like action in that, I always think about like what they might be going through because I know I also tend to have a temper (laughs) and, um, you know, I yelled like not necessarily at a teacher, but mm-hmm. I've had like kind of a, a bad tone. And we were even talking today. I appreciate teachers so, so much. And my mom's a teacher too. <laughs> um, and I always help them, but I still, you know, I'm a human with emotions and I'm going through my adolescent years with a pandemic. And I know that my peers are as well. And not all of them are lucky enough to have a stable income or like, you know, parents that are, I don't know, just like doing, even if they are doing the best to raise them, it might not be what is actually the best for a child. 
and there's social media and they could also be getting bullied or abused or even struggling with stuff such as you know like people in their family with like substance issues and Mm -hmm. there's just it's such a crazy amount of things and i think people they don't really in like older generations don't commonly think about like how the youth is impacted Mm -hmm. but it we're kind of the most i don't know like struggling people i think because we don't really know how to handle things and we're not strong we're or maybe we are but we're definitely not as resilient as like you know older generations and we're naive and we don't know what to do and we take it out on others and we think about ourselves before other people which isn't necessarily bad but there's just so much going on and we're still developing so it's it's just yeah. like a whole mess. You guys are a little bit more fragile, the more flexible to bend, kind of like a tree that weaves its way through the branches to the light. Well, well uh, put, Kira. I mean, I, I think, agree. Susan, I, th- I think, uh, or Sheriff Hudson, <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> get used to that. I don't know if I can call you that. But, anyway, <laughs> but you know, we got to listen to the kids. We just never really, I was f- like about 40 years old. And all the sort of panels, all the interviews, all the whatevers, the law school, everything. And I was about that age before someone ever said to me, Bruce, what would have helped you? Mm. You know, and I was like, wow, no one ever asked me. That was like stunned. And, you know, and you think back to like when I was Kira's age and, you know, and and for those that don't know, she's 12. um, You know, when I was 15, when I was 17, 18 and you know, I think about some of those things and, you know, and Kira was hitting some some buttons there and, and uh, you know, about stability and about having you know, like some basic income and, and uh, you know, the people around you and such. And I, I really hope that, you know, that this jail can be in some ways like a trauma recovery center, even just for like a very brief respite you know, and whether it be eight hours or eight days or 80 days, depending on what someone's situation is. I mean, the good news is, for you at least, you don't have the moral quandary of deciding who goes in or who goes out. Right, right. Right? Right. But I just want to say that was very well said, Kara, and I I, um, agree with you. And a few years ago, the Institute for Women and Ethnic Studies came out to council, had a great presentation about trauma in kids and how it affects them. And I try to think back on which is, you know, a long, long time ago to being that age. But it was difficult. Uh, but I, like you said, you don't know what people are going through. You know, I had two parents, steady income, no pandemic, all these things going on. Very different um, to what kids are dealing with today. And so I just have a whole lot of love and sympathy for that. Um, but I, one thing I used to always ask in LPD when there were shootings involving youngsters, I'd say, what? What, why did they say that this was this was a killing matter? Why did they say this? And I never got an answer. Mm. Nobody ever a- was asking. And it's difficult when you have a legal system going on to ask, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. What is the issue here? Um, I, I really believe we do have to ask them. Mm-hmm. We have to ask them, what do you need? Um, what happened? Uh, kids are so much more vocal today than, they, than back in the day. Yeah. So um, I feel like they can articulate better as I, well. 
I think one thing also to kind of add on kids being more vocal today is I think there's like two main reasons and one being of course like social media and so much more exposure to different you know ideas and ideas Um, but there is also so much trauma that uh you know has happened to like the world and economy during our life and even before it with like you know stuff like Katrina and I'm part of the generation of kids who have had a lot of family issues from that and like people in our family struggling with PTSD maybe or like just seeing homes destroyed and our environment it's just a lot to kind of take in and then uh you know there's also 9-11 for people up north which I know you know kids from when I was living with my mom in Rhode Island who had families in New York that were going through a a lot just like mentally Mm -hmm. and you know had such terrible memories of that and you know there's the pandemic which is just insane for a child to go through and even I who who is a, a child going through a worldwide pandemic I can't imagine just like being in a world where this is the normal even though it's been like two years and for some people it's been their whole life i mean if they yeah i have two nephews that were born yeah in this time i I mean you almost had a babysitting gig of one that was born baby g almost your uh new year's eve 16 uh, months old ward or whatever (laughs) but i you know i i one of the really exciting things susan um at least from from my perspective is you know, as someone, and, you know, Norris can relate too, and, you know, those of us that have been, like, trying to get involved, trying to share what we've learned, trying to be resourceful, trying to be helpful, and being told, no, we don't want your help. You know, like, you know, no, we don't want your raincoat. We don't want your umbrella. We don't want your bridge built. We don't want your your cane or anything you can give to help. We don't care. Stay away. And it you know, it's, it, it, it's, it has, you know, for years of, you know, my, speaking for myself, for years it was so, like, demeaning and, and disheartening, you know? Like, wow, here I am, like, trying to make this world better and nobody even wants me around. And so I'm, like, you know, working some minimum wage job or something like that, you know? But now, you know, for those of us that are connected with you, also, you know, Attorney General Jason Williams, I mean, uh, District Attorney Jason Williams, uh, but, you know, other folks that have kind of been rising up in these different positions around the country, even for those of us who've been down that road to then be able to kind of funnel ideas into the into the mainstream is really exciting. And, you know, for those of us that were locked up when we were young, I mean, we had the honest conversations with like 50 other kids, mm. 100 other kids, 200 other kids, you know, and so we know like why it happened. We know what they were going through, like the people that I was friends with, you know, on the inside, you know, shout out to all of them, you know, like we know each other 
you know, it's the whole foxhole buddies kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But like you might be in a foxhole with somebody, so to speak, for a week or two. Like we were in a foxhole for, you know, for some of us a decade or two. Mm-hmm. And so you know exactly like every story about their lives, their parents, their their siblings, their, you know, whatever went down that night. And the real story, not even necessarily the one that right. you kind of had to tell or didn't tell or whatever the case may be. So we want to share some of that. But of course, you know, a jail is just a jail. And personally, I would love if, you know, if, you know, and I know you will, you know, in sequence or whatever, how when it comes around, but I really think the medication assisted treatment is huge because so many people want to get off drugs and they can't find help any way. And they just like stumble their way and really they kick up their feet and don't care when they're going to get arrested. Sometimes they're just like, I just can't stop. Like, screw it. They'll bust me when they bust me. Um, I love to get help, but, and it's just this demon on their back. And there are some things that are working. Nothing's 100%, but they're working way better than, than you know, some of the old school tactics. Well, you know, I read that article you, you wrote, you and Norris co-authored during the election about just what you said. We try, you, we, you, we try to be a part of the solution. You won't let us be. You say we're not this, we're, we can't be a part of it. That really touched me. I was like, that's absolutely right. Because I've met that all along this campaign trail. People who've paid their debt to society but can't get a job, can't get what they need. Um, and then um, we, you talked about the jail being a place of restoration. It can be that if we want it to be instead of a place of punishment. Um, and so it's just really about your philosophy as a Christian. It is my philosophy to do right by people. Um, in fact, I want to read my, my New Year's resolution because oh, I, I used to, <laughs> my resolutions used to be like, I'm going to work out and all that stuff. <laughs> Three years ago, I quit that. And I just picked a Bible verse that I'm going to act out for my, for the year. And so this is my one this year. It's Proverbs 21, uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21. And it is, she or he that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. So my goal in 2022 is to followeth after righteousness and mercy for everybody. Mm. And so that it will be a big part of what we do at this jail. Um, we have to do right by people. When you hear about people's stories, um, it's just, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all I have and that you have to, as we were talking about, you don't know what people are going through, as Kara said. And you really have to just uh, understand that people have different traumas, especially mm-hmm. the kids that we were just talking about coming up after Katrina. So we want those restorative practices in place. Um, we want to have addiction treat proper addiction treatment. Mm. So many people have died in the jail from addiction. So many people have died from detoxing yeah. because they didn't get the proper care. Those are absolutely preventable. It's so preventable. So preventable. We have to do that. We have to care. Mm-hmm. And we are. I promise that we are going to do that. But we're going to have... Be- I've learned so much over the 11 years I've been here from y'all and people around me. I've come a long ways in mm-hmm. 11 years. But you have to be willing to listen, bring it into your heart and into your mind, and then act on it. So I feel grateful. Mm-hmm. I feel grateful to have known you. And to have um, just gotten all of this mercy that I've gotten from this community, uh, and I want to uh, I want to pay that back. Hmm. And we're and we're going to do that. Well, yeah, and we you know we got to help each other. And you know I, I call Kira my MVP. Like you know the only way you know because it's just her and I. And you know sometimes I'd have to and text her and our cats. You know, <laughs> but I. I'd have to be like, we'd, we'd talk on the phone and be like, Kira, I got to do this thing. Like, can you just throw a frozen pizza in? And she's like, yep. You know, and so, 
you know, her her allowing me and not making me feel guilty allows me to help other people. And then we can spend our, our quality time or I can spend my alone time like in the Grand Canyon as I just did. <laughs> but but being in the Grand Canyon, you know, had me thinking a lot about time because mm-hmm. you can see the strips of time, you know, in the layers of the rock. And I was in Zion Canyon, too. And, I was in my Jeep and I was doing my my wilderness uh, survival Subtle thing. Bragging. <laughs> I don't know if that's bragging. Just saying, I'm a crazy pants that likes to be in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you are crazy about it. <laughs> I, I keep telling Kira, I was like, someday I'm gonna live in a cabin by a lake under a mountain, and you have to take like a seaplane <laughs> to come visit me. But uh, I thought I was an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna live in like Montana somewhere, and you know, do my thing. But anyway, I'm kind of a hermit, but um, not really. Uh, well, I'm both. So, I understand. But, uh, but the, you know, like, it just, I was reflecting a lot, you know, just as, as you're reflecting, you know, and reading the Bible and, and finding inspiration. And, and I was, you know, just doing that through nature and, and just like, you know, we're all here for this, like, speck of time. And we really just kind of, you know, got to put our shoulders in and, and, you know, and try to, you know, maintain this universe and maintain this planet. And, and you know, help somebody. Yeah. And but, I feel really good about that. But oh, and I was just thinking, like you know, something I wanted. To, I was, I kind of was thinking of leading off with when we were talking uh, was getting back to the consent decree. You know, from a, those of us that are kind of legal nerds, I guess what's interesting now is, well, all the sheriff's current lawyers are off the job, right? Soon, soon, and uh, and then we will have, you know, presumably you got your MacArthur Justice Center lawyers representing the plaintiff class. You're going to have, you know, obviously the, the federal judge in, in his role and the monitors in their role. And then the sheriff's office will have a new legal team. And I wonder if you've thought about, you know, I, you're a lawyer yourself. You've done dealt with consent decrees. Have you at least just sort of like, if not legal memoed it, but like daydreamed about, okay, what would be the next sort of steps here? Yeah, first thing first, just looking forward to talking to folks, Mm -hmm. uh, all these different parties here. Um, What I found out about the sheriff is that it was his way or the highway, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't really playing nice in the sandbox with everybody. It wasn't a collaborative effort to try and get this jail where it needs to be, where where it could have been. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to having these new conversations with people because we do want, I want the plaintiffs to get what they want, Mm -hmm. which is a safe jail. Um, I want the the judge to get what he wants, which is compliance with the consent decree. Mm -hmm. Department of Justice wants a safe jail as well. They want some of those things as well. So um, that's all I want, too. Um, But and and one thing they know about me is this is what I do, reforming troubled law enforcement Mm -hmm. agencies. So and for the first time, I actually get to make all the decisions, which I which I made recommendations (laughs) before. So people can't see me smiling right now, but I'm smiling really (laughs) hard. Um, so I'm very excited about that. We have a chance to do something special mm-hmm. here. Do you have? Do you have? You don't have to say any names, but do you have people in mind that you that you might want to bring on the legal team? I know some folks that have like gone against the sheriff, for instance, or you know been involved in like jail litigation before. Um, even the, the current litigation, perhaps they cycled through the the team. No, I, I haven't. You know, your lawyer, being a lawyer, I know that uh, wanting a lawyer, the, your lawyer has to be someone you can trust, that mm-hmm. you have that relationship with. Um, just like I built with my lawyer at the police monitor's office and prior to that, uh, personal lawyers I've had. Um, so I'll be, you know, that's a, that's a process I'm going to go through over these four months to figure mm-hmm. that out. That is a very, very important position. And somebody who's got to be, you know, 
in lockstep with me. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I'll be looking at. But I haven't made a decision about that mm-hmm. yet, but just started looking. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, but excited about that because we intend to uh, fight hard. In case you're out there, she's looking. <laughs> <laughs> we intend to fight hard, but very excited. The consent decree, 12 months. I believe we can have what we need, the structures in place. It's not that hard because what I found out is there are next to no structures in place at the jail. Yeah, I hear you. And it's, there's policies, you know, that haven't been written around. You know, I pointed them out during the campaign, like the debt service and the contracts. And obviously, you know, putting contracts online, you know, making things like the public bid very transparent, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I feel like a lot of that is just like, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks worth of putting your mind to it with a few people and saying, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we need an expert on finance, mm-hmm. most definitely. If In addition to, there, the, she's looking. to the audit that we <laughs> intend to do, we um, to get our baseline of money and where we're at, we really have to cut fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to be really lean and mean um, here so to, to have the programs that we need yeah. in place. So I'm excited about that. But then also we're going to run a tight ship on money. This mm-hmm. is not... I'm not here to help people get rich. I'm not here yeah. to give money to buddies. We got a jail to run mm-hmm. appropriately. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I've been talking to some people and just being like, you know, considering what I've learned about that jail's finances, which is totally a surface level thing, but I'm just going to guess that you're going to be able to do all these dream programs, which is realistically not that much, you know? And a lot of those programs, just like currently the ones that the sheriff's been bragging about, they get their funding elsewhere, right? Like if Vote wanted to do a program in right. the jail and we're already paid for by Vote or whatever, it's not costing the sheriff's office anything. And so those are the types of things he's been bragging about, Travis Hill School, et cetera. Right. So like some of these programs, it's just a matter of opening the door. Opening the door. But you're going to be able to save like 10 or $20 million of fat. Yeah, and very excited about that. One of my dreams is watching people who do reentry work and do it well and then hearing about what happens to people let out at 2 or 3 o'clock in the mm. morning and nowhere to go. I don't want any of that. When people mm-hmm. leave, I want them to go into the arms of some type of program, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, some organization, a church, and we want it where they live so mm-hmm. that they can be near family or friends. We want it all over the city. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we just don't drop people. Uh, they got You got to have help. It takes yeah. a village to, to, to do these things. So I'm, I'm so excited about that. And I think that's going to just really, we're going to have so many dividends from that. Mm-hmm. You know, recidivism, people having, being able to get back to their lives after they get out of jail, good lives. I mean, I'm I'm very excited about that. So how do you feel about um, oversight? How do you feel about term limits? You know, things that currently are just not in existence. I have no problems with term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got into this problem because there wasn't one. Right. And I and I think that anybody, anybody can be somewhere too long. Mm-hmm. Any anybody, so I think that's a good idea. Um, what was your what was that? Oh, like oversight, like some sort of Ooh. like changing the structure, and then thinking about okay, well, is this a state bill? Can we create a city version that like you know? Let's overrides? create our own. Yeah. I have I, I you know that's what I did. I've done for seventeen years. When I right the day after the election, I went to my national conference and I spoke. I was the keynote speaker and I spoke, uh, the kickoff speaker and I spoke about what we're I'm going to do here in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the oversight I always dreamed of having. Um, which is access, unfettered access to information, mm-hmm. being able to audit, um, being able to give real recommendations about what goes on. 
And so having real independent oversight with some power, mm-hmm. that's what I want here. Everybody yeah. needs oversight. The jail most definitely needs yeah. oversight. So we know that. So, yeah, we're going to have something special that we're going to create. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I honestly, I can't imagine a better person to be in the sheriff's position than yourself in terms of trying to, like, think about, okay, what's the oversight that we want, not just for you, but the next 10 sheriffs right. in a row, right? right? And then, you know, bringing on people like, you know, Will Harrell obviously has had, uh, you know, previous positions in oversight. That's Andrew right. Armstrong has, has dealt Andrea, with oversight. Yes. I mean, there's people that we know that have such expertise on this issue that we can build it out. And I do believe the city council and the mayor should be really supportive of that. And, you know, maybe we can pack it in with a DA kind of Jason Williams thing too. Why not? Why not? In fact, one of the things, you know, I want our community to run the accountability mechanism, whatever that oversight mechanism is, and we want to build it out so that it's what our community wants. I have some obvious ideas about what the technical work looks Mm -hmm. like, but what does it look like? What's the structure look like? That's totally our community building it out. Um, But when we provide oversight, I want the people who work at the jail to know that you're going to be held accountable, not just for your job, but also Mm -hmm. criminally accountable Mm -hmm. for any actions that go on. We've all watched these horrible videos online. I was just watching, somebody sent me one from a jail, I don't remember where it was at, where the person was just I'm sick. I'm I'm really sick. I'm not doing well. They're passing out, vomiting, all these things. And they did nothing. Mm. Did nothing. Mm. They have to be held criminally liable for that. You can't just let somebody die and it's just like, well, yeah. you know, too bad, so sad. So I want people to know that your job, you know, you're not just your job depends on it, but your your freedom also depends on doing the right things here. Yeah. Uh, not a threat, but you need to know that your job is... Uh, is very important. Yeah, it's got to be some kind of like mandatory reporting component, you know, a mandatory taking action. That's right. You know, and whether you're a, an ER tech or, you know, I mean, you're kind of the the last line of support when you're in a jail. I mean, where is somebody going to go to or call? I mean, absolutely. This is controllable, this environment, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense that it's not. Well, you know, and so speaking of that, and I, it's it's kind of like my my last sort of area of that I've been thinking about with this transition. Um, you know, and Jason Williams had a, a similar one was like the staffing. And mm-hmm. I know for him, you know, his approach was to basically have everyone who is at the DA's office reapply for their jobs. Right. And I was wondering if, if you've either talked to him or if you thought about an idea about how you're going to look at staffing. Because obviously there's, I'm sure there's some people maybe that don't want to work for you. That maybe there's a lot of people who would love to work for you. Uh, maybe there's some people who would like to work for you, but you may not want them to work for you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I thought he did a good job in the reassessment because we had said all the way along the campaign trail, we're going to reassess everybody's employment with a really, really a microscope on those at the top. Mm-hmm. Right, Because you don't get into a consent decree. You don't get into these situations without the leadership being the issue. And so we're going to look at that really closely and do something similar, I think. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to put that together during during um, transition. Mm-hmm. And our community is going to get to weigh in on it. But we do have to reassess everybody. I think there was a story that came out the last week about, a, a I think it was a lieutenant who had choked out a couple of people, mm-hmm. right, and then had been fired but bought back and just all kinds of things. So we got to look at everybody's history, see what's going on with them. Um, I talked to a number of people who do want to see change, but there are just probably as many who don't because yeah. this the system benefited them. Um, so they've got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Do we, we want to roll with this new um, uh, way of doing business or or leave? Because yeah. those are the choices. It's changing. Everything's going to change. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder how many people might be thinking about 
uh, what they've got left to their maximum retirement right. situation, <laughs> right. and whether they can do that at some other jail, right. or if they can, if they're going to try to like keep sliding there for who knows six months, two years, whatever they've got left. But from what I understand, it's a pretty top-heavy staffing, correct? I top mean, heavy. I was startled to see something, and I think it was in the Lens reported 521 people work at the jail alone. Mm-hmm. I was startled to hear that when I hear that there are um, deputies on pods all by themselves mm-hmm. at different times. You're like, how many, what do you got, like 6,000 pods? Right. <laughs> right. So that just didn't make sense to me. So I'm, I'm learning more about what's going on. There's a morale problem too, right? Mm-hmm. When you're under a, a, this type of a system. So what I want people who work there to know is you're going to be treated fairly. Mm-hmm. You're going to be support it you're gonna be trained you're gonna be paid um but you got to do your job the way it's laid out yeah that's it that's good to hear yeah well i mean i i'm really excited that you're able to come on and you know obviously you know switching into a new year i mean what better way for me to kind of close out the the kind of election time and to enter into a new time of kind of doing the work and uh you know 2022 we got a lot to do and i've been blessed to have you come through and, uh, and and break a little bit down for us. I know you got a lot of work ahead. I personally am, am happy to provide you know whatever help I can give uh, and connect you with anyone I can connect you with. Uh, you know I've got your your youth uh, consultant over here, yes, Dr. Yes. Dr. DJ K Love, yes, who's always ready to assemble her Marvel uh, superheroes uh, of kids. I love it. We do day. have to listen to that generation. Can I say thank you? All the love and support I've gotten over these nine months has been tremendous. We wouldn't have survived it or won without without this amazing group. And you were a big part of that. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's always great when it works out. But the other thing is, like, you know, we always have to do this work, whether it's win yeah. or lose, because it's just, yeah. you know, put one foot in front of the other and go as far as we can until we pass out, I guess. You know, <laughs> <laughs> snowstorm, uphill both ways. Kira, I'll be able to tell you all these stories. When I was a, when I was working on the sheriff's race, you'd be like, Dad, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I was there, too. <laughs> well, any parting words from either of y'all? Uh, 2022 is going to be great. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. I I feel like even though I'm a very, like I want a lot of things to be planned out, I'm super excited for a future that just seems like it would be good even with like its spontaneousness, at least for me personally. And also, again, after going through these few months of like so much stress and me being like a little more of my own personal parent it feels great to just like take a break be our all all of us be our own personal parent <laughs> oh, that's right well i just want to uh give it you know an extra shout out to you know to those of us who are not with us anymore who we're along during this campaign and we're excited to to see the change and you know as we know in this world like we lose people every day um and you know for me personally my, my boy mac was really excited about this uh about this work he was locked up me for years and uh and then he he, he passed uh you know just before the election so but um but you know and there's other folks that that went down in the struggle um but you know we keep we keep their spirit going by the work that we do, the love that we give, the love we receive, and um, you know I'm I'm excited and I wanted to give another shout out to Mike, and uh, you know shout out to Norris who couldn't be with us here today, but all the folks that are doing this stuff we got you know as as Chico says you know work call we got work call, 
All right, so let's just chill to the next episode. Peace. That's a wrap, Mike. Wake up, everybody!